Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, y'all grab your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 8. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you don't have your Bible or, or don't have it on your device, and it will be on the screens. So it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And, he, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there. How? By faith. By faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed by God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for, uh, for what you've already done in this place today. And for what you're about to do. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we pray, God, that, you would, um, that you'd help us not just to hear it, but to understand it. And Lord, not just to stop there, but to put it into practice in our lives. Lord, help us not just be hearers of your word, but be doers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series, which may, uh, may soon be the longest series in church history. Um, but it's called Patriarchs, Prophets, and Priests. And I, I'm still having a good time with it. Y'all still seem to be having a good time with it. So, Patriarchs, Prophets, and Priests. It's a, it's a series that looks at the lives of the men and women of the Old Testament and finds the parallels, the life lessons for us. Kind of character sketches of, the, uh, of the, the main framers of our faith. Now, you can't talk about patriarchs without talking about Abraham. And today is our third and final message about Abraham. So when you see Abraham mentioned throughout the Bible, it's almost without fail, you also see the word faith in the same passage. Abraham's faith is what characterized his life. And so we've called these messages Abraham living by faith. So let's get right to it today. I'm just ready to dive right on in. If you haven't heard the first two messages, you can go back and listen on YouTube or on the podcast or wherever you consume content. It should be there. Um, we've talked about some other things already. But, but if you're going to live by faith, today I want to talk about three last things that you're going to have to do. And here's the first one. If you're going to live by faith, you're going to have to follow the who before the what. If you're going to live by faith, you're going to have to follow the who before the what. That's a capital who and a capital what. All right. So I mentioned some version of this last week as we were transitioning out of our worship time, but, but I want to make sure that you hear it clearly, and I want to expand on it a little bit. When we say that Abraham was a man of faith, it doesn't mean that he was just a trusting soul who believed in people. It doesn't mean that he had a reverence for all things spiritual and that he appreciated people's religious expressions. 
Abraham was a man who had faith. But your faith is only as dependable as the object of your faith. Romans 4 tells us very clearly that the object of Abraham's faith was God. It says, Abraham believed God. I want to tell you today very clearly, God is a person. He's a person. he's, He's a who. He's not a what. Abraham's faith wasn't in faith itself. Abraham's faith wasn't in an appreciation for spiritual stuff. His faith certainly wasn't in people. Abraham's faith was in the person whose voice had called him to leave his home and go where he was sent. Abraham's faith was in the one who had promised to give him all the land that his feet could walk over. It was in the one who told him that he would be a father of countless people and that he'd become a great nation. His faith was in the one who had made a covenant with him. His faith was in the divine person who kept revealing more and more of himself to Abraham over his lifetime. His faith was in Jehovah Jireh, the one who was providing for him and his family. His faith was in El Shaddai, the almighty God. His faith was in El Olam, the eternal God. His faith was in El Elyon, the most high God. Listen, these were not just names to Abraham. They were revelations. They were expressions of the person of God, a person that Abraham knew better and better every day. So when we say that Abraham was a man of faith, that faith was in a who, not in a what. Abraham believed God, period. And it's an important distinction to make. Because we still talk about people of faith today. We still identify people as people of faith. And sometimes we talk about Christians having a strong faith when they have lots of knowledge of the Bible. Now I want you to, I want you to listen to me closely because I don't want you to get confused and I don't want you to get offended. But you can know all there is to know about the Bible and still not know God. You can approach the Bible as literature. You can know it left and right, forwards and backwards, and still not ever stake your claim on what it says. You you can know everything there is to know and still not know God. You can even live by its principles and still not be a person of faith. Because there's great wisdom in the Bible. You want to know how to run a business. You want to know how to run a family. You know how to operate a life of integrity. You can learn that in the Bible and still not ever surrender your life to Jesus. The primary purpose of the Bible is not information that leads to knowledge. It's revelation that leads to relationship with the Lord. Abraham... This, this is going to be a news flash because it's just so hard to wrap our brains around this. But Abraham didn't have a Bible. <laughs> you understand that? There were no Christian bookstores in Ur of the Chaldees or anywhere else he stopped. Right? There, there was this, he didn't have a Bible. Not a single book 
had been written, a single book of the Bible had been written at the time that Abraham lived. Almost nobody else on the face of the earth was even serving God, Jehovah, at that time. When Abraham heard God say, leave and go, he left and went. Not because he read it somewhere, but because he had a conversation with the God of the universe. His faith was in that voice. It was in that person. Listen, you know how passionate I am about the Word. You know that I preach to you the importance of getting into it and learning it and living it. But that's only because His Word is synonymous with Him. He teaches us about Himself in this Word. Our faith is in the truth. And the truth is the person of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. We believe and we follow the Bible because it's an expression of that truth. Does that make sense? Our faith isn't in the book. It's in the author of the book. He's a a who, not a what. Look at what Paul said in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 1. He said, this is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. The the little Baptist church that I grew up in, it was always King James, and, and we sang the song, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul didn't say, I know what I believed. He said, I know whom I have believed. Paul had a personal encounter with the person of Jesus on the road to Damascus. Listen, the 12 apostles gave their lives as martyrs. Except for John. John wouldn't die. They tried So give him credit. They tried to make him a martyr. He just, the old bird wouldn't die, all right? So they they gave their lives as martyrs. They were beaten. They were thrown to lions. They were crucified upside down. They were, unspeakable evils were done to them. They were burned alive. They were boiled in oil. They did not endure those deaths because they believed in a set of rules or in a collection of wise sayings, or some new religion that they were trying to come together to start. They were willing to give their lives in the most horrifying way because of the relationship they had with the person of Jesus Christ. So when I say today that we ought to be living by faith, I'm not talking about leaving things to fate or to chance. I'm not talking about being prone to just take risks. I'm not talking about some reckless abandonment of logic or thought or planning. I'm talking about a rational, reasonable decision to follow the one who holds all things in his hand. I'm talking about following the only one who knows what tomorrow holds. The only one who made a way for me to be forgiven of my sin. The only one who died on a cross so that I could live. The only one who has ever promised he would never leave me and never forsake me. The only one who can give me abundant life on this this earth 
and eternal life in the next one. Our faith is built on the solid rock of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe that He is, that He exists, that He rewards those who search for them with all their hearts. That's what Abraham believed, and that's the call for us today too. Our faith is in a who, and His name is Jesus. Now given all that we've just said, there's a question that begs to be asked. What's the object of your faith? Are you a person of faith? Faith in what? Or faith in who? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Or do you just have knowledge of Him through the Bible? That's two very different things. I like all kinds of music. I listen to all kinds of music as long as it's clean. And, and, and I, I hear country singers from time to time. haven't heard it in any other genre of music, so I'm not picking on country. I just, I've heard them sing about, talk about believing in, that, what the, in what that old King James Bible says. And I got no problem with that. I was raised on the King James Bible, so it's all good. But, but in my mind, I'm wondering about the artist who's saying those things and singing those things. I'm just wondering, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Or do you just have a superstitious attachment to a book? Did that old King James lead you to the old rugged cross? Or is it just a sentimental keepsake that you remember from grandma's house? Do you cling to it because your family tree's written in the front of it? And your granny's handwriting is in the margins? Or do you cling to it because it's your life? Because it connects you to the living God? Faith has to begin with a who before a what? There are people all over the world, people all over the world today who have a living, thriving relationship with Jesus. You, you talk to John Serby. John and Cena are back. They've been all over the world spreading the gospel. There are people all over the world who have a living, thriving relationship with Jesus and no access to the Bible. They can't just pull out their phones and go see 18 different translations in their own language. It's just not possible for millions, probably billions of people on this earth. And I keep hearing reports from different sources uh, in the Muslim world who say that thousands of Muslims are coming to faith because Jesus is appearing to them in their dreams and he's saying, stop following Muhammad and follow me. And these are closed countries there's nobody on the street corner with a megaphone telling them to turn or burn that's not it they have no access to the bible and yet they changed their belief system on the spot literally overnight sometimes placing themselves and their families at great risk not because they read something or learned something but because they met someone named jesus So I just have to ask you, have you met Jesus, the person? 
And I have to encourage you, moms, dads who are praying for your kids, who seem like they're a thousand miles away from where you raised them. They don't have to come into the church for Jesus to find them. Just because you don't know where they are doesn't mean he doesn't know where they are. So you just keep praying, Mama. You keep praying, Daddy. He can appear to them in a dream. <laughs> he can appear to them in the bottle, in the bottom of a bottle. Which they will promptly throw against the wall. <laughs> Don't underestimate the person of Jesus. So the first thing you have to do if you, if you want to live by faith like Abraham did is follow the who before the what. And here's the second thing. You've got to get passionate about people. You've got to get passionate about people. And look at just a few examples from, from the life of Abraham. Last week we talked about the fact that Abraham prioritized peace in his relationship with his nephew Lot. So committed to peace that he allowed Lot to choose which pasture land he was going to take his livestock to. But don't misunderstand. He prioritized peace because he was passionate about people. If you prioritize peace in your life, you want peace in your relationship because you value that person. Like, if you don't care about people, why do you care if people are mad at you? When you prioritize people, it's because you value them. You let them choose first, like Abraham did, because you value the person more than you value the financial implications of their choice. Abraham was passionate about people. You're like, John, I don't know. That's just one example. In Genesis 14, Abraham took 318 of his servants and fought the armies of five kings to rescue Lot, his family, and the village that Lot was living in you got to really love somebody to go charging into a battlefield of trained so and, 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 and seasoned soldiers to get them back, especially when you're also fighting for a village full of people you don't even know. In Genesis 18, God told Abraham he was going to destroy the city of Sodom. Like He's having a meal with Abraham, and he just casually mentions, hey, like after dinner... I'm going over to Sodom, and we're just going to wipe it out because they're so sinful. It's just ridiculous what's going on over there, and we're going to wipe it out. And Abraham says, but God, there has to be some righteous people there too. In that city full of people, there have to be some righteous people. Surely you're not going to destroy them too. So he said, God, if you find 50 righteous people in that whole city and all the surrounding villages... If there's just 50 righteous people, will you save the city? And God said, okay, I'll do that, 50, 50 people, no problem. Abraham loved the people so much that he negotiated with God to save a city full of violent perverts and reprobates. Abraham continued to negotiate, and, and, and here's where they left it. Here's where him and God left it. This is where uh, Abraham was like, okay, I've pushed it way too far. Uh, Genesis 18 and 32, finally Abraham said, uh, Lord, don't be mad uh, if I speak one more time. Suppose only 10 
righteous people are found there. And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of those ten. Abraham was passionate about people. He wanted to help people. He wanted to rescue people. He wanted to protect people. He was a man of great faith. And that faith led him to be passionate about people. Now, what does faith have to do with with loving and serving people? Because he believed that if he treated people right, that God would take care of him. It's just that simple. You see, the world's way is to try to use people to get what they want. They manipulate people. They deceive people. They they outright just take what they want. Abraham lived a life completely different from that. Abraham said, hey, you go ahead and choose first because God's going to bless me either way. You see how freeing that is? Abraham said, I'm going to go rescue Lot and I'm going to depend on God to protect and defend me among these five enemy armies. Abraham said, I'm going to go ask God to save this city of Sodom and believe that he's going to understand my motives and do what I ask him to do. It takes great faith to be good to people. Did y'all hear me? It takes great faith to be good to people. Far more natural to just be nasty like everybody else. You have to have faith to be good to people. You say, John, I am a person of great faith in Jesus. I just don't like people. <laughs> I have bad news for you. You've got to get over that. You just, that's not a thing. You cannot be a Christian who hates people. Right? There is no hashtag jerks for Jesus. That's not a thing. <laughs> you just can't do that. You're like, but I, I honestly, this is like John in this real relational reason. Like, I for real don't like people. I get that, but Jesus is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and He's King of a kingdom that's not found in palaces and castles. It's entirely found in people. Let me prove it. Because you probably don't like me right now either. Uh, Luke 17. Luke 17 and 20. When the Pharisees demanded of him when the kingdom should come, they're talking to Jesus. Jesus answered them and said, the kingdom of God, it it doesn't come with an outward show. He's saying the kingdom of God is in you and among you and within you. The kingdom of God is not outside, it's inside. Look at Mark 16 and 15. He told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to every person. Every person. 1 Corinthians 16, no, excuse me, 6, 19 through 20. Paul said, don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. God bought you with a high price. So you honor God with your body. Listen, the mission is about people. The work that we do is people. The temple he inhabits is people. You can't have an active faith in a God who pursues people and not be passionate about those people. You say, but people have let me down. Yes. 
That's why your faith is not in people. Your faith is in God. But your passion has to be about people. Getting people in fellowship with God. Getting people in right relationship with God. So, but I don't naturally love people. That's okay. Because the Bible gives you, the Bible says, and I think it's 1 Peter, that he gives us everything we need for life and godliness. That means if he calls you to do it, he's going to give you the capability of doing it. It's not an unfunded mandate. He said to do it, he's going to make sure you can do it. Look at Romans 5 and 5. This is how he's going to do it. After this first verse, which is a first sentence, which is a transition, he says, For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with God's love. John, I don't naturally love people. That's okay because the fruit of the Spirit is love. And His Holy Spirit has put the love of God in our hearts. And all we have to do is just go spread that love. You don't need love. You just need to spread the love God gives you. You ask God to give you a new heart towards people. You ask God to give you love for a specific person that you're having trouble with and see if God won't change your heart towards them. Some people are harder to love than others. And we always assume that's somebody else. (laughs) But somebody is thinking of you right now. (laughs) Thank God somebody submitted their hearts to God and figured out how to love you with your crazy self. If we're going to live by faith, in the God who so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. And we have to be passionate about people like Abraham was. Now, here's the last thing. If you're going to live by faith, you have to believe in resurrection. You have to believe in resurrection. Hebrews 11. Y'all holding your breath about that. It's, it's going to be okay, I promise. This is good news. It's good news. Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 through 19. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac, that's his son, as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, Isaac was the promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Look at this. Abraham reasoned. That if Isaac died, God would bring him back to life again. And in a sense, he did receive his son back from the dead. Wow. You ever wondered, like if you're reading in Genesis, you're wondering, what in the world is Abraham thinking? What, is, what goes through the mind of a person who raises his knife over the chest of his son? That's what's going through his mind. It's like, well... God will just raise him back up. Because this is the promise. I know what God said. So I don't know how he's going to do it or what he's going to do. But if, this, if it winds up that, I'm, that I literally plunge this knife into his chest, then God will raise this boy up. Because he said he would. Romans 4, 16 through 20. So the promise, we, uh, the promise is received by faith. 
It's given as a free gift. And we're all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. This is what Scripture means when, when God told him, I've made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates, go back one verse please, who creates new things out of nothing. Please understand that when Abraham was 99 and Sarah was 90, they had a child. Which means at 89 and, uh, and, and 98, well, y'all do the math, I'm tired. They were childless. They were childless. Look at verse 18. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you're going to have. And Abraham's faith didn't weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promises. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, had strong faith in God. Their entire lives were lived by faith. And listen, I know that sounds really cool and that sounds really spiritual, but the reality is they had to have great faith because almost nothing they could lay their eyes on gave them any hope. The promises of God seemed to be completely dead, but their faith gave them hope. It gave them hope in resurrection. They believed that no matter what the circumstances looked like, no matter how they had tried and failed on their own, that God could breathe life back into His promise. That God could resurrect their desires, their bodies, their reproductive capabilities. Listen, in the natural, there was no way they were going to have a child as a matter of fact, in one of the conversations that God had with Abraham, Sarah was overhearing. And when God said that, hey, Sarah's going to give birth to your promised heir, Sarah laughed. God said, Sarah, why are you laughing? She's like, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. He's like, no, you totally laughed. And it wasn't so much that she didn't believe God. It was just so hard to wrap her head around how any of that was going to be possible at age 90. As a matter of fact, when the boy was born, just like God said, she named the boy Isaac. You know what it means? It means laughter. Like every time she calls his name, she chuckles. Because she's like, I don't know how in the world this happened. Right? Some of you are looking back over your lives and you're remembering the promises of God. And you're looking around at your current circumstances and you're thinking, well, that dream's dead. That promise is dead. There is no way in this world that this is ever going to happen. And you know what? You're right. There is no way in this world that it's going to happen. But a person of faith may live in this world, but we don't operate in this world. Amen. The God we believe in created this world. 
with a word. The God we believe in doesn't have to operate by this world's rules. He made the rules. The God we believe in doesn't depend on the circumstances in order to bring His will to pass. He makes a way where there is no way, right? He calls things into existence that don't exist. He creates new things if He needs them and breathes life back into dead things. Listen, child of God, don't get discouraged by the circumstances that are around you. Faith seems to operate best in the things that seem beyond repair. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. When we're weak, He's strong. When it's impossible for us, it's possible for Him. Don't get discouraged that you're surrounded by the dead, dry bones of the promises long ago. Don't give up hope. All it takes is one breath of wind from the Spirit. All it takes is one drop from the river of living water. And before you know it, you hear a rattling and you feel a shaking. And the Spirit of of God asked Ezekiel in chapter 37, He said, can these bones live again? And if you're asking yourself the same question as you look back over the landscape of your life, then I'm here to tell you today, person of faith, yes, they can. They can live again with God. All things are possible. Resurrection is a way of life for a person of faith. You say, John, it's too late for me to be a soul winner. It's too late for me to be the dad or the mom that I'm supposed to be. It's too late for me to salvage that relationship with that person. It's too late for me to fulfill the God-given dream that He placed in me. It's too late for me to answer the call of God on my life. John, I made a lot of mistakes. You just don't know. Well, don't believe the the lie of the enemy today. Abraham was a man of faith, but my goodness, he made a lot of mistakes. Huge, huge mistakes. But Romans says, the gifting and the calling of God is without repentance. If He's still calling you and you're still breathing, it's not too late. It's not too late. Today is the day that you can believe again. Today is the day that you can say yes to Jesus. Today is the day that you can leave and go if God's calling you. The beautiful thing about living by faith is that as long as you're living, you still got time to live by faith. Y'all stand with me, please. Let me ask you a few questions, then we're we're going to pray. The altar is open and it's never closed, so you can come and pray anytime about anything. But I want to ask you a few questions specific to, to what I believe the Lord's trying to say to us today. And if you want to come and pray about that in just, in just a second, please do. Um, if you've got anything else in your life that you want to pray about, perfectly fine. This is the time to do that. They're going to sing a song and we're going to spend some time at this altar and we're just going to hear what God has to say to us. But let me ask you this. What's the object of your faith? Is the object of your faith a a what or is it a who? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? That's the most important thing. Forget all the other questions. 
That's the question of questions. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? One in which you've surrendered yourself, you've surrendered control, that you've repented of your sin, that you've accepted the fact that you were a sinner when you, when you found Jesus and He found you, and that the only way that you'll be forgiven of those sins is by surrendering your life to Him and accepting the sacrifice that He made for us on the cross. You know, John, I know all that. I've read the Bible. I've heard all this. I've, I've been to church. Have you done it? Here's the next question. Do you need a heart of love for people? Do you need God to replace your heart? Do you need a heart transplant? So that the one he puts in is full of love for people. I understand pain. I understand the mistrust that comes from being hurt over and over again. When people have, have been disloyal to you, when they've abandoned you, when they've mistreated you, and they've harmed you on purpose looking you in the face that it's very difficult to, to conjure up love for somebody because you go into self-protection. I get it. I'm not discounting that. I'm not asking you to say it wasn't a big deal because it is a big deal. I'm just saying that if you're going to follow God and if you're going to be let out of the prison that you created for yourself out of protection, then you're going to have to get a heart transplant where you learn to trust and where you learn to love people again. So if you need to pray for a heart of love about one particular person or about everybody, you can do that. Here's the last thing. Do you, do you need to pray and believe God for a resurrection in some area of your life? Is there a dream that you think's dead? Is there a promise that you think is just going to go unfulfilled? Ask God. He's God of resurrection. Ask Him. Believe and see what God will do. Lord, I thank you for our time in the Word today, and I thank you for these good people. Lord, we don't believe that you brought any of us here by chance. So God, as we've asked these questions today, I pray that people would answer those questions honestly, not to me, but to you, and maybe most importantly, to themselves. And I pray that before we leave today, that every person who, uh, who doesn't know you as their as their personal Lord and Savior, will come and surrender themselves to you. I pray that as we leave this place today, we leave with a heart of love for people. That you're, we, we take the brakes off of the Holy Spirit in our lives, shedding abroad the love that you've placed inside of us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to never think that it's over. To believe in a God of a resurrection. Trust you to bring those things back to life. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Lord, I pray as you draw people to this altar that you would meet them here and meet their needs. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. 
At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.